going to start by defining them so you know what we're talking about. Although most of you know a little bit about this because it's a topic we've talked about before. Raise your hand if you have not heard like a teaching recently about judgments and expectancies. Just wondering. Okay. Then I guess I have nothing to say. <laughs> I know we have lots. <laughs> Just kidding. Is that an ungodly belief? Ha ha. Alright. So hi. I'm Bill. That's Marilee. <laughs> Alright. I felt like I don't know. I'm just connecting for a second. I'm seeing some eyes. Alright, cause um what is a judgment? Oh, I guess I do know. I wrote it down. Um, So in general, a judgment is the forming of an opinion or conclusion. All right. That's the generic definition. What is an expectancy? Actually, what is it to expect? Expect is to look forward to, to regard as likely to happen or to anticipate the occurrence or the coming of. So that's kind of generic, right? But that's what we're talking about. So there are such things as good or acceptable judgments or expectancies. And that is what we're not going to talk about. (laughs) Except I thought I'd give you an example. Because why not? Um, I have come to the conclusion that God is good. That is not what we're talking about tonight. Because that is a good judgment. God is good. (laughs) Um, A good expectancy. I look forward to good gifts from God because a good father gives good gifts, right? That is a good expectancy. And that is not also, that is also not what we are talking about. We are talking about the bad ones because we want to not have those. We want to get rid of them so we can have freedom, right? So a bad judgment would be something that doesn't align with the word of God. Like the, the judgment I just said does align with the Word of God because the Word of God says that God is good. Um, A bad judgment is something that's condemning toward others, right? There are verses that are contrary to that. There's talking about not being under condemnation. So again, it doesn't align with the Word of God. Um, Bad judgments can also be demanding justice for a wrongdoing. We'll get to that more later, I guess feels like dead air tonight. I need to say a joke. I feel like I need to say a joke, but I don't have one prepared. Uh, knock, knock. <laughs> don't say it because I don't have a punchline. Oh, dear. Anybody see American Idol this week? Um, okay, but what are bad expectancies? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, bad expectancies also don't align with the Word of God. Um, They're derived from hurt or brokenness instead of coming from the Word of God. Um, It's when you're anticipating an outcome that is different than the promises of God or his destiny for yourself or for others. Sure. Thanks for asking. Feeling the connection now. That's good. Um, Just hold it. You'll be all right. You got it. I feel like it's too low for my eyes to see. Just hunch over like this. That works good. So a bad expectancy. You just wanted me to say the third one? 
anticipating an outcome different than the promises of God or his destiny for yourself or others. We're going to give some more ex- some examples later and kind of build on this, but I wanted to like lay a little foundation so we're all thinking of the same thing when we use the word, right? So here's a little tidbit for you about expectancies. They can become habitual ways of looking at things or people, um, and they can become and are often a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's a real psychological term. I learned it in college, so I know that. I forget what they said about it. But um, basically what it means is uh, you begin to act in ways based on your expectancy that causes the people around you to to make it come to be. You know what I mean? We'll give examples later. But um, you start acting a certain way based on your expectancy that in turn makes the people around you act a certain way that fulfills what you expected to happen. So that's interesting. MC Merrily, what up, dog? Okay, so there's this law in the Bible called the law of sowing and reaping, and it's found in Galatians 6, 7. Where's our sheet of the verses that you printed out? Are we going to pass that out to them? Or? Okay. It says, sure. Okay, so it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. So, with judgments and expectancies, if we reap, a, if we sow a judgment, we will somehow reap it in our lives, and it can look different ways. It doesn't always look, you know, the same. Um, it can be reaped by, um, we can do the same things as the person that we judged. Or people in our lives can do the same things as the person that we judged. So, for example, let's say um, you never lock your keys in the car. You just are, you keep good handle on where your keys are, but your spouse tends to lock their, the keys in the car all the time. This is not a realistic example. This would and, never happen. <laughs> and... Um, and so let's say the spouse judged the one that keeps losing or locking their keys in the car. Then all of a sudden they lock their keys in the car and they never have in their entire life. And they do twice in one month. That it's a it's not exactly it's what happened. It's a spin on what really happened in our life. But okay, yeah, it's a little different. different. But it's an example. I thought, I thought she was going to totally come out just partially. <laughs> anyway. um, so another example would be. Um, Let's say someone in their first job, their boss hurt them. And so they might judge their boss and say, and in their mind, bosses are not going to have my back. They're going to, you know, expose me or hurt me. And then, so they've made that judgment. And then every boss keeps doing it. Something keeps happening to where they get exposed. They're not supported. And they just, Wow, you know, all my bosses are the same. Well, it's the reaping of the judgment. Um, another example would be, for me personally, give some examples from my life. Um, I judged my dad for not being um, engaged, really engaged with me emotionally or being really interested in me. And 
and when we first got married, like Bill was was acting like that, and it wasn't really like him, and it wasn't he wasn't really like that before we got married, and so it was just the dynamic of my judgment playing out. Another one, so that would be how I judge my dad and someone else. It's being reaped through someone else in my life. Um, and then here's an example of I judged my dad, and then I'm reaping it by I'm acting that same way. I judged him for, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, for getting um, impatient easily with me growing up when I was a kid and with my siblings. And I was just like, oh, you know, I just judged him. Why is he like that? Why is he doing that? And then, um, you know, and then in my life, I have kids now. And then, and then I'm getting impatient easily in situations and kind of snapping at them the same way my dad would at me. I'm like, oh, there's a judgment there. Um, so those are some examples. Did you want to give a few more examples? Sure. Um, <coughs> So say some of these are real and some of these aren't, so don't, don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> or if you do, you can just pray through it. Yeah, yeah, it's good practice. Judge me and not other people. Okay, so say some guy heard on the street or developed the idea that women are bad drivers. And so he makes that judgment. And then, you know, you can assume how that would play out. That's a common one that you hear said at work or whatever. If you're a guy, if you're a woman, you probably don't hear it because they don't say it in front of you. Sorry, no hope there. So um, a personal one, like um, growing up, my mom was very safety-minded. She's a registered nurse, so she's seen injuries and things, and she doesn't want her um, only son at the time because my little brother is much younger to get hurt. So she is like, you have to wear a helmet every time you're on your bike and this and that and like all these things and then I'm kind of like you're just too concerned about this judgment hello so then now like it is totally not like me to be like that or whatever and then I'll find myself like being so concerned about Micah like climbing the railing on the stairs or like <laughs> little stuff that just doesn't really matter you know and then I'm like hey why is that where's that coming from that's where um so say you run into a married couple and it seems to you like the wife is the strong one in the relationship. Um, you, f- you judge her for being domineering or you judge the husband for being passive. You say she wears the pants in the family or you say he's fill in your... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I was thinking of ones that probably aren't great to say, but you know what people say about those kind of people. Um, and then, um, so th- the judgment can happen. It can play out like we've already given examples of. But also, there can be a twist on some of these. And we're not necessarily going to have a week about these, so I wanted to throw it in here. All of a sudden, in this marriage situation, you see this couple. Say you're the guy, because I'm a guy. I can relate to that, right? You see this woman who seems kind of domineering, and the guy who's kind of passive, and he's getting rolled over, and you're like, that's ridiculous, that's horrible. You make a judgment, and then you're like, I am never going to have a marriage like that. You say this as a teenager, say it's like friends of the family or something. When you say, I'm never going to have a marriage like that, I am never, or I am always, that's what we call an inner vow. And um, so I just wanted to highlight that here. Excuse me. Because we don't give it a full week. And there's a little resource on it, along with the resource for judgments and expectancies, if you want to 
those pop up and you need to pray through them or whatever. So I'm never or I'm always ones. I had another example of that in here, I thought. Do you want to play the rest of that example out? Eh, you played out a couple. Did you want me to play it out? Okay. <laughs> I don't get them unless it's the full story. All right, so say your music teacher and principal are married. <laughs> she's strong, a strong personality. He's laid back and cool. You kind of like him, and she's tough on you. So you judge her for being domineering and him for being passive. Maybe both, maybe just one. And then um, you find instances in your life where you get married and your wife comes on strong and you feel like you end up in that passive role and it drives you crazy. And so, um, yeah, and normally you wouldn't consider merely, I mean, your wife in this example to be a controlling or domineering type of person, but your judgment is causing them to play it out because you, I'm reaping what I sowed. I mean, my friend is reaping what he sowed through his wife. Um, also, it could be just other strong women in your life or in your church, people who, who you're friends with or leaders in the church who happen to be women. If you're a guy and do this thing, which my friend, he's crazy, did. And... Um, You'll just find instances where you're like rubbed the wrong way by women that you normally would have a really tight relationship with, and it breaks that connection and the bond that should be there. Um, and it could be flipped around the other way, too. In the same example for a woman, you could judge the man for being passive and be like, why doesn't he step up? You know what I mean? Why doesn't he lead his family like a guy should do, like a man of God should do? You know, and all of a sudden, this woman makes a judgment about the guy. She gets married. Lo and behold, her husband, who was seemed like such a strong, you know, go get him driven kind of guy before they got married, they get married. And now all of a sudden he's taking a passive role and is driving her nuts. <laughs> She's reaping what she sows. So it's the same thing. It can be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe that one fits more often in my experience, not always, but more often like with a parent judgment, I think, like the one Marilee gave an example of. Just in our experiences, that's what we found more. Judging a parent, you tend to do what they did. It seems like that's the way it works out a lot. And when you're judging people else, you know, other than your parents, it tends to come back to you through others. But it can be both. So look for both. I was going to say this one, and then I feel like I'm talking too much, so I want to get it to you. Or, is it, or am I supposed to keep? Can you say another? <sighs> okay. Um, so another one that comes with an inner vow. I just wanted to highlight another one that comes with an inner vow. Um, say, again, this is a woman's perspective, so call me Belina uh, for a moment. <laughs> I'm trying, you guys. I know they're not good jokes, but I'm trying. Man, I'm working hard. So Belina, she works hard for her money. Um, so she thinks that, uh, she makes a judgment that men don't understand emotions or how a woman feels, right? This is kind of, this is kind of like an expectancy. You could, she could have judged. <laughs> <laughs> they, came, they came to life. They came to life, and now that threw me. No, it's good. It's all good. Um, so it could be it could be both in this one. It could be a judgment judging a particular man 
for not understanding emotions, you know, a dad, a boyfriend, you know, typically things tend to happen early in life in like, you know, young childhood and teen years. So maybe a boyfriend or a friend, whatever, neighbor, whatever. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it could also be an expectancy. All of a sudden it turns from like, oh, I heard that, like people joke about that on sitcoms or somebody doing that. All of a sudden it turns to, I'm not going to be understood. That's an expectancy. Or I'm not going to be understood by the men in my life. And you're not going to say that. Nobody says that. Or sometimes we do. But, <laughs> you know, it's in there. And you want to, like, a lot of times you have to work backwards to realize that. <clears throat> like, why don't the men in my life understand me? I'm so frustrated. Go, oh, <laughs> That should be a red flag. Maybe I have an expectancy or judgment here, so you have to work backwards. But um, So it can come with another inner vow. Probably, I'll never marry a man like that again. <laughs> right? That's kind of the logical conclusion of, you know, this guy doesn't understand my feelings or whatever. So, um, yeah, the inner vows are just, what do we want to say about those? you want to say anything about those? It's just... Uh, it's an agreement, not with God, but with the enemy, right? Because it's something that doesn't line up with the word of God. It's, it's boxing yourself in. It's not giving yourself freedom to, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, I'll never marry a man like that means you're like, you're not saying, God, I'll accept the man that you have destined for me to marry. You're, you know what I mean? You're going to start excluding, you know what I mean? You're just constricting yourself. Were you going to say something about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, vows can be um, things like, like he's saying, agreements that we make. And a lot of times they happen when we're young and we don't even realize it. And it can lock us in, like he's saying. So, for example, I've heard of a, a young girl who at a young age heard about how painful childbirth was and said, I never want to have, kid, have kids. It was based in fear. And she couldn't get pregnant. For, like, you know, she tried and tried and tried and tried, and then until God, you know, revealed that she had an inner vow about not wanting to have children, it had locked her in, and she broke the inner vow and just got pregnant right away. And, um, you know, saying, I'll never do this or I'll always do that, it, it kind of locks you in, and it causes, like, it's like a word curse in a sense. And so you just break that, and it, and it unlocks things from your life. So that's all I want to say. Great. Thank you. That's what, that's what I was trying to say. Um, so moving on. Those were a bunch of examples. Hopefully you're in the feel for like we define what it is. We gave some examples. You're in the flow, right? Yeah. Um, so and we talked about sowing a judgment or expectancy and how you reap it and different ways to reap it. There's also kind of another flavor of judgments we wanted to touch on. And you might not have heard this one. And so this might be our own little spin. New, we improve it. I was just trying to get your attention in case I was boring you. Um, so I was listening to Mike and Mike in the morning on ESPN Radio. They're, they do sports talk, ladies and gentlemen. They do sports talk. And I like sports talk. And they were talking about, well, they had an emailer email in about some sports guy who had done some bad thing. And now everybody's been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? And everybody has an opinion and blah, blah, blah. And the emailer's like, you guys, that's our society now. Our society is a society that judges and has opinions on people. And the examples that they gave, I'm going to steal them and share them with you, are look at our TV shows, American Idol. There's a panel of judges. I don't know if you ever watch the show. We do. I admit it. 
guilty pleasure. I'm hooked. Um, but I find myself sitting there, and because the judges are so charismatic, I'm like them. I'm like, oh, this person's doing good. Oh, yeah, this person's doing bad. Oh, what are they wearing? Like, all of a sudden, I'm kind of I'm being a judge. It's funny. Dancing with the stars, right? I'm not hooked on this one, but Marilee is, so I watch it with her. Micah likes to say, I don't like the dancing one. I like the singing show, and I agree. But, it's, again, it's the same flavor, right? And you're sitting at home watching it, and you're judging. Kate, you're horrible. You can't dance. I can't believe it. You're stomping around the stage, right? Survivor, right? You're evaluating all the people and, like, oh, they're so conniving and whatever. And, oh, they're going to, you know, whatever it is. Bachelor and bachelorette, right? The person's choosing who they're going to marry or not or Whatever, you know, happens at the end these days, I don't know. And you're judging all the people who they have to choose from. The Apprentice, right? You're fired. <laughs> that was my Donald Trump impression. <laughs> Not a very good one. TMZ, anybody ever watch Celebrity News? They play it on the cafeteria where I work or used to when I used to go in the cafeteria. Um, and, like, it's always, what are the celebrities doing we have a panel of experts who are going to talk about what they think about what the celebrities are doing. This panel expert is a blogger. Their whole job is to sit at home and type about what celebrities do. What do you think about what celebrities do? We're going to field calls from people who watch our show to talk about what the celebrities did. Right? Am I, I think I made the point. Did I make the point? Mm-hmm. So we've set up the society of judgment. And it's maybe not like quite the same depth or intensity of like, Dad, I can't believe you did that and focused on one person. It's more like a flavor and you can get caught up in this way of doing life where you just are walking around judging everything because you're used to doing it. I speak out of experience. Let me give it to Marilee. Can you get me one too? I'm hot up here. So um, that was like kind of an intro into um, a little testimony part that I want to share. About a week ago, I was just praying about judgments and expectancies. And um, I was like, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want to do? And because on my journey of healing and restoration, judgments and expectancies haven't been a big focus for me. And um, he's definitely zeroed in on other areas, but, you know, judgments and expectancies just haven't been one that was, like, huge and, oh, I just got so much out of it. And so as I was praying about what he wanted me to say, he just showed me that I was living a very judgmental lifestyle, like um, judging everything and everyone and every situation, labeling this and that, figuring it out, the interaction between this person and that person. This is the dynamic that's happening, and they're like this, and so they're going to act like this. And um, and I just realized, wow, God just kind of opened my eyes to this, and that um, that that's the way I've just kind of been, and that's also my dad is very much that way as well. I wonder, did I judge him when I was little and didn't know, and now I am, or or did I learn it anyway? But um, so, and so I felt like he was showing me this, and he also said, you know, this is also can be a strength in some areas, like just being able to analyze and reason and figure things out. But 
for me, what I was doing was, you know, the condemn the definition that we're of the bad judgment is to create a or to make a condemning opinion, you know. And so, one really cl- good example of this is we were spending some time a while ago with another family, and I was judging them so much, like the way the dad treated the kids and the way the the dad treated the mom and the way the mom treated him back. And I was just like, I just was just judging them. And it was so bad. And then I was making like these expectancy. Well, then the kids are going to be like this because this is the way the parents are. You know what I mean? And my mind is just going there. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit, he just kind of showed me this and he spoke the verse. There is one judge and one lawgiver. I'll read the whole thing, but that was like the little bit that he brought to mind. It's um, James 4, 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, do not, slander one, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And um, and so I just immediately was like, God, I resign from the job of judge. And I just kind of saw myself getting out of the judge's seat and Jesus sitting there. And that's his rightful place to be, you know. And... Um, and then, for a second, I was like, you know, I'm out of the seat. And I'm like, well, now what? You know, because that's kind of how I had been then, and that was what was normal. And then he was immediately like, you're meant to be a friend. I want your job description. You're meant to be a friend, an encourager, to pray for those people instead of creating a condemning opinion to speak blessing and truth over them as the Holy Spirit gives it to you, you know, and that that was my job and his job is to judge and everything else that he does lovingly to work with them. And um, and and so when we sit in the seat of the judge, you know, we're not allowing him to do his job. And so by getting out of that seat, we're making room, we're allowing him the space to to fill and to be there and to do that. And I just felt such an immense freedom, like like the burden of that job was lifted off. I wasn't ever meant to have that job. That's why it was heavy and, you know. And, um, and so I think for me, I started thinking about judgments and expectancies and, you know, I was like, wow, I've judged this person and that person. And it started to feel kind of big. And and then he was like, he had me deal with, um, you know, just kind of resigning from being a judge first. And then I was easier able to kind of pray through, like the example I just told you about the family, you know, pray through breaking that judgment and forgiving them I don't want that reaped in my life you know and so um if that's something that you know you feel too that would you can pray that too um yeah 
So, <clears throat> but what I'm but what I'm not saying is that we'll we'll never judge. I mean, we are meant to judge between good and evil, and we're meant to be wise and discerning in the world. You know what I mean? There's like a difference there. You know, when you're kind of making that negative accusation against someone, that's what we don't want to do, you know. So, and, um, yeah, because we want to believe the best in people and expect the best and expect them to succeed. And, um, you know, love keeps no record of wrong and it always hopes. And so that's kind of what we're meant to be like. That's my little testimony. Um, thanks, Seth. And now Bill's going to talk about something cool. Should we do that now? Okay. So do you guys relate with... <laughs> from being a singer, you've got to hold the mic like, mic like this. So this is like how you're meant to hold it. And so it's really loud that way. So it's hard for me not to... Anyway. I was her sound guy in high school, and I trained her to do this so I could mix it good. My fault. Put your microphone up to your mouth. Oh, everyone always said that. Okay, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so are, do you guys identify with that? Like, okay. Um, if you do identify with it, let's just say a quick kind of prayer to cover that, and then when we get into our... Um, individual ministry time we can kind of you know focus on the individual thing that things that God brings up yeah so repeat after me let's close our eyes maybe put our hand on our heart or something however you want to connect um okay so Lord Jesus forgive me for taking on the role of judge forgive me for taking on the role of judge forgive me for sitting in your seat for doing your job I resign from that position and make space for you to come. I invite you to come and be the judge. Amen. Yeah, like, okay, so God gave me that, and then Bill heard, and I told him about it, and then Bill heard that thing on the radio. He's like, this is so weird how it connects to what? He, God was telling you, it's like, yeah, we do. We live in this world where it's kind of normal. And it's like, no, that's not how, how we're meant to be. Word. So I'm going to read you some stuff from the Bible. Is that all right? Matthew 7. If you would like to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Verses 1 and 2. Oh, you're going to turn for me. Cool. I have to go fast. Matthew 7, um, verses 1 and 2. The verse everyone reads about judgments. But I have some thoughts. Oh, good. I love this verse. All right. So this is the point where, I don't know what, what this is. This is just a part. Never mind. All right. Matthew 7, verse 1. Ready? I don't hear pages, so you're ready. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, 
a lot of times, one of the flavors of judgments we've talked about is a cry for justice. I've been wronged, or someone I love has been wronged, and your heart cries out for justice, right? Which isn't bad. I mean, God is just, right? Um, But it's not our place to demand the justice. We need to trust that God is just and let him handle it, right? Um, And there's a myriad of examples of how we would (laughs) demand justice and then it wouldn't work out the way it really should for the best for you know, the master plan that God has going, right? I mean, sometimes we would demand justice and then, you know, but if we didn't demand the justice and gave someone grace, you know, it might turn them around or it might turn someone else around or, you know, who knows, who knows what. So um, our cry can go out for justice. But this verse is saying, <laughs> the same way you judge others, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so if we can, if we hang on to the cry for justice in situations like that, it has to be the same for us. You know what I mean? The standard that you're going to hold other people to in the world has to be applied to you. When that guy cuts me off on the highway and then slows down to get off the exit and I cry for justice, I might be right. <laughs> but then later down the road when I do the same thing, because I was talking to Marilee on the phone about, oh, Mike, did this. Oh, my, I can't believe it. Oh, my exit. You know? I don't want the same standard. I was It was an important moment, right? Michael was doing something cool, and that's a big deal to me, right? All right, I hope that made the point. That's all I want to say about that. Did you get it? All right, good. Turn to John chapter 12. Verse... <coughs> 44 through 50-ish, somewhere in that area. I'm just, just let me read you a little story about Jesus. What do you say? So, Jesus cried out, Those who believe in me do not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When they look at me, they see the one who sent me. I've come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for those who hear my words but do not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge. There is a judge. Um, Now I lost my place. There is a judge for those who reject me and do not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So the thing I want to lock in on that is, I think there's a verse that says Jesus is going to come back and judge, right? Isn't that a verse? I think that's a verse. I didn't look that one up. But the point is, even if not, the Trinity is going to judge, right? And Jesus is part of that Trinity. And yet he said here, I do not judge the people who um, don't keep my words. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And the point I wanted to say about that, that I feel like God showed me, is Jesus was focused on the task at hand. He had a mission when he was here the first time around, right? He was here to, you know, teach and spread the gospel, you know, to be the gospel in action. He had a mission to save the world, to go to the cross, to make atonement for our sins, to rise again. He had a lot on his plate, you know? 
he didn't have time to be distracted by judging people who weren't going to listen to him. Right? It's a distraction from the goal. And he left it to God. He is God, but he left it to God. (laughs) You know what I mean? Shouldn't we too leave it to God? (laughs) Um, So he... I mean, he's saying these life-giving words. It's the gospel. It's the way to spend eternal life in heaven with God the Father is what he's saying. And people aren't listening to him. And rather than, you know, make a judgment and, you know, blah, 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 all the stuff that he could do, he left it to God. He was <clears throat> secure enough to not worry about what people thought about what he was saying. He didn't have to judge them as a mechanism for... You know what I mean? These people are rejecting me. He's not like, oh, does it mean I'm not saying the right stuff? I better, I better judge whether, you know, what situation they're in and why they're not listening to my words to validate me that I am saying the right stuff. You know what I'm saying? We get caught in this thing. I'm trying to highlight it. I hope I'm, I hope you're getting what I'm getting at. So he trusted God to handle the administration of justice. He wasn't worried about it at the time. That's number one thing he trusted God for. The other thing he trusted the Father to do was to fix people. These people weren't listening to him. They needed to get it. You know what I mean? They needed salvation, but they weren't getting it. And he just laid it out there. And he went on about his mission and he left it to God to fix people. I think a lot of times our judgments are caught up in that. You know what I mean? The people around you, the people you love, they have real stuff wrong with them. (laughs) Right? We all do. And it's so easy to get caught up in like, well, they have this thing wrong, and it's a judgment. And then all of a sudden you're trying to fix, you're trying to help, you're, you're kind of meddling. You know what I mean? I do it, so I know. <laughs> you're meddling in their business, and we have to leave them to God, trust God to handle their inner healing issues. Really, that's what it is. I mean, it's not our part to meddle in someone else's inner healing. It's God taking them on that journey, and maybe they're not there yet. So, you know, don't, don't get in God's business. Just let him use you to help along the way. As he directs it. Good? Um, And I kind of said this. The third thing that Jesus was trusting God to do, and he wasn't doing himself, was... um, uh, I set that up wrong. (laughs) We need to trust God to give us honor in a place of honor. And Jesus did that, right? And I said this. We don't have to judge others or strike them down to try to firm up our position or our place of honor with the Father. We're accepted and just don't worry about that. Um, by doing that, it gives us the power to let people say whatever they're going to say and not retaliate. We don't have to retaliate because we're secure in God. Um, yeah, secure in our identity and our acceptance in God. So that's that point. Wanted, if, you want, if you're following and you want to turn to Psalm 59, should I skip something? Am I running out of time? Look at the clock before you say no. Okay. Psalm 59. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I do. Thanks. Psalm 59, 1 through 9. Psalm of David. So this is, do you want to set this up? This is David's, this is a story of how David felt a lot of emotion towards the one who was wronging him, Saul. This is how he felt. And then we're going to read about what he did. 
Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie in wait for me. Powerful people conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight, you, Lord God Almighty. You who are the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They return at evening snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. The words from their lips are sharp as swords. And they think, who can hear us? But you laugh at them, Lord. You scoff at all those nations. You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress. So he he felt really strongly, huh, about what was happening. And then, where's the other? First Samuel 24, 3 through 13. So the point of that was, David was wrong, and he was upset about it, right? And that's okay. But let's see what he did about it. Um, so I'm probably going to paraphrase and go fast here. David was in a cave. Saul went in to take a leak. David and his men were back in the cave where Saul was using the restroom. Um, and the dudes around David are like, This is the day Lord promised you. This is the day Lord promised you. Go kill Saul. <laughs> and he didn't. He snuck up and cut off a corner of his robe. Whoa. Can you find that again? I, I did want to read part of it. Um, so he cut off a corner of Saul's robe, but he didn't kill him. He goes back in the cave and hides, and Saul goes out with his guys, and David comes out and says, uh, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand... Lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. That's what David said to his guys. Then he came out and called out to Saul, My Lord the King. David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of my of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See, there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. That's good enough. So the point is, David had been wronged, for real. It was really a wrong. And then he had a chance to take it into his own own hands, to judge Saul as doing wrong, and then to deal with it, to sit in the seat of judgment and to administrate justice, right? But he didn't. He did it God's way, which was to honor the Lord's anointed he laid down, he prostrated himself. Remember that part I just read? He laid down in front of Saul and gave him honor. The guy who's trying to kill him, the guy who just had blown it as king, hadn't honored God, is killing people, is trying to kill David. David's tight with his own son. He should be like a son to Saul, but he's trying to kill him because he's all wrapped up in power and all this stuff. It is wrong, but he honored him because he was the Lord's anointed. And then he said, let the Lord judge between you and me. You know what I mean? 
David had been promised the crown, <clears throat> but he didn't go take it. You know, he let God do it. He let God be the judge and administrate that justice. So I think I made that point. That's what I wanted to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. What was the point of all that? The point of all that. Don't judge. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about um, um, some areas. Okay, so the law of sowing and reaping causes the judgments to come back at us and others are affected to become what they aren't. We actually, you know, affect other people to act a certain way that they're like, oh, I don't normally do this, and and they're, um, you know... Through them, we're getting what we sowed, we're reaping. Um, so we can see these um, judgments and, expect, and expectations reaped in, you know, people in authority as you're thinking through in your life and kind of thinking through where you might have some to pray through. Um, people in authority, your bosses, your pastors, um, your spouses, a family member, friends, people at work. Um, are all places where that can, where that, that it can be reaped, your children. Um, and so how you can identify them is look for recurring situations. Um, like take broken relationships. Are you always treated the same kind of way each time? Is there a pattern? Um, do you have really strong reactions to situations? Um, whenever we have a really overly strong reaction, that's a big clue into that something's going on there. Um, and then you can just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them to you. Just say, God, and he'll just open your eyes to them. And it's really cool. Um, or you can ask yourself questions, you know, why does my husband or wife always do that? my mother or father was just the same you know then that's you probably judged your mother or father and then it's coming to pass in your spouse or why do my jobs always turn out like this um and what it is is that you're the common thread through each situation you know you have all these different bosses or all these different situations but they turn out the same well you're the common thread and and so can identify them that way um and then there's a couple little notes to say about it. Um, many times we can't see the judgment when we're young, um, but we can see the patterns playing out later in our lives. Um, so if we, if we do see potential judgments playing out, we should repent and break them off, even if we don't remember or feel the emotional connection to it. Like even if you don't remember making that judgment if it seems pretty obvious it's just a good idea to do it and then also um for me this is one i found if you if you know that you felt judgmental towards someone but you haven't necessarily seen where it's reaped in your life yet or whatever you know it hasn't played out fully maybe yet but you know you were judgmental or you made a condemning opinion towards someone or you had a really negative expectancy from someone you know that's just a good idea to pray through that too so yeah we're gonna 
we're rapidly approaching <clears throat> time for you to pray through stuff. Um, I just wanted to share something I felt like God put on my heart specifically. Um, it's kind of a side note, I guess. And I just want to say, too, that like the word judgment or condemning opinion, like some of the words we use are hard and strong. And sometimes I find when those words come up in church, I shut down a little bit. I tune out a little bit. I turn off a little bit because I don't want to really associate myself with that. Like I am not a judgmental person, you know, Uh, Try not to let that happen. Don't shut down or turn off or tune out of it. Because remember, you are not a judgmental person, but there can be a part of your heart that is still, you know, from years ago or whatever, that is still locked up by a judgment. You know, don't take it as an assessment of who you are, your new creation in Christ, and just deal with the stuff. Don't get tuned out by just the harsh words and not go for it. You know what I mean? We're all a work in progress. We have all the stuff we're describing. We still are working through. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you I have judgments to deal with. And sometimes, I mean, we're going to pray through them. And sometimes it's like, boom, big difference right away. And sometimes it's like that lifestyle. You've just fallen in. You know, like the society is set up that way. And you've fallen into a way. And you have to... Pray to get off the judgment seat, but then every morning when you wake up and your default is to hop on it, you have to keep getting down. You know what I mean? So just, I don't know, encouragement not to tune out or turn out. Yeah, you get it. All right, so a note on shyness. Once upon a time, I was very shy. I didn't like to talk in front of people or meet new people. I get nervous. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, so I just felt like God told me something about shyness. Um, you were, I'm just going to read it to you. You were created for relationship. When you shrink back from it, something is wrong. Red flag should go up. And then it is not good for man to be alone. God said that. So, let, you know, that's the point. So if you have areas where you're shy or you're afraid to talk to people or meet people or whatever, just ask yourself, is there a judgment here? Was I judging somebody for being cruel to me when I was younger? A lot of us go through an awkward stage. I don't know if you, I mean, none of you guys, but I went through an awkward stage in middle school where I got pimples and looked awkward and had a funny haircut and wore flannel shirts, which aren't cool anymore. Maybe they are again. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying, right? And kids tease at that age, and it happens, you guys. So maybe you judge someone for being cruel to you, and now you can be reaping that judgment that you sowed way back when um, in the form of isolation. Really, that's what it is. Shyness is isolating you. When you're afraid to go talk to somebody, it's keeping you from relationship. And God is all about relationship. That's why he's a trinity. He's in relationship with himself all the time. That's just part of the nature and character of God. And that's how he created us in his image, to relate. So there could be a judgment. Ask yourself, is there a judgment here? Um, also, is there an expectancy at work? And really, I wanted to say here that expectancies are really kind of like in a form of ungodly belief. So if that helps you to think of it in that way, you can. And we're really going to like, a lot like an ungodly belief, break agreement with the expectancy. Stop operating out of it. Stop believing mm-hmm. it. Stop expecting that outcome. So in the uh, shyness thing, The expectancies might look like I'm an outcast or people don't like me or I'm not outgoing like so-and-so. I married a so-and-so and and then I said that and then I had to learn not to say that because Mary was really friendly and people like her. 
So I've worked through this thing a little bit. I'm getting better. Um, so believing any of those kind of statements um, is sowing a seed that also reaps isolation. It can reap rejection. You felt rejected, you know, by the cruel kids and you judged them and now you reap more rejection. Or you set up an expectancy that people aren't going to like me. And so now you reap rejection because you act in ways because of that expectancy that make people not like you. And it's not their fault. (laughs) You know, you just have to break this expectancy and you'll find people like you (laughs) once you stop operating out of that. Um, Yeah, just difficulty connecting with others, that isolation. So I just wanted to say that if that rings a bell or whatever, maybe you can focus on that in our prayer time. Do you have anything else to say about that? Do you guys that? feel like you have stuff to, to work on? Good. Am I giving it to Sarah or you? Sarah. <laughs> All right, so, um, yes, give them a hand. They did amazing. Um, we're just going to take some time now and, and uh, get in a, in a spot in the room. The family room's available. Um, we're going to pass these handouts out. And one is a little bit on inner vows, which they had talked about, and the one on judgments and expectancies. And um, if you're having a hard time nailing something down, um, just like they were saying, maybe look for a situation in your life that has a pattern, you know, with, with um, you know, someone significant in your life. And then think back to when you were young, but but the real way that the Holy Spirit can is, is that the Holy Spirit can reveal them to you, and that's what the Holy Spirit is: is He's the guide, He's a guide, and He's a counselor, and He is very able to do that to 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 just reveal things. And so we're going to pray for open eyes to see and open ears to hear, and um. If you guys have any questions or even are feeling stuck, please raise your hand and we'll come and and pray for you. Um, So let's just pray together and then we'll go find space in the room. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are the guide. Holy Spirit, you are the, the great counselor and you know us better than we do. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would highlight judgments or, and or expectancies tonight, Lord, that we have, that we carry, that influence our relationships and our lives and where we see patterns. Father, I pray, Lord, for open eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying, God. And even just memories, Lord, I pray that you would highlight memories tonight. In Jesus' name, we just give our hearts to you in this time. Thank you for uh, just how gentle and tender you are, God. And I just thank you for that cup of healing to be poured out over each one of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so go ahead and find some space in the room and we'll get started praying.